Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. Well, good morning. Good to see all you people here this morning. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms. I want you to go to Psalm 23 uh, this morning. And uh, we're going to read uh, this psalm. And, and just to forewarn you, because I know people will start be freaking out when I'm only about halfway through the, the psalm and it's like almost lunchtime and you're like, oh my goodness, how many more points has he got? Don't worry. We are splitting this psalm into two, so I, I, I'll finish it next week. So don't, don't get too hyped up that, oh my goodness, he still has half a psalm to go. We might make dinner. No, trust me, we'll be, we'll be okay. We're going to look at Psalm 23, and in a little bit I'll read the entire psalm. And there's just a plethora of things to talk about. Well, I've been in vocational ministry for 17 and a half years-ish. And I've taken on a lot of different roles uh, in, in that time. Uh, but the majority of the time has been in a ministry of leadership and teaching. And the Bible uses a lot of different terms for that, if you want to call it office, for that position, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it, sometimes in the Bible it's referred to as elder. doesn't have anything to do about being old, although, you know, uh, I'm there. Uh, another term often is overseer. Some of your older, older uh, translations might say bishop. I am not a bishop in the sense that you think of. But the other term is pastor. And that term pastor, and that's the most common term, obviously, uh, the, that term pastor actually means shepherd. It means caring for the flock. And it makes sense. I mean, the Bible often calls God's people sheep, and so it makes sense that there would be uh, a shepherd who tends to the flock. Uh, but the funny thing is, it's kind of an interesting dynamic, if you want to say that, is that the shepherd is also a sheep. So even though there's a person called a pastor, a shepherd, uh, we are very limited. We, there's only so much that we can do. And so that means that the, the flock, the congregation, needs a greater shepherd, a supreme shepherd, a good shepherd, who's going to ultimately and eternally take care of the sheep. And we have that in Christ. Christ is our shepherd. You know, I may be a shepherd, but Christ is the shepherd. And it's a good thing, too, because if, any, if everything, you know, kind of hinged on the earthly shepherds, we'd all be in a whole heap of trouble. But we have a heavenly shepherd. And it's important because sheep, when you think about sheep, sheep are helpless animals. They need someone to take care of them. And we have that in Christ. And there is a psalm that describes our relationship with the shepherd and the help that that shepherd gives. And that's why we look at Psalm 23. Now, we look at Psalm 23 and we automatically link it to funerals. Because that's when we normally read that psalm, isn't it? It talks about God caring for and shepherding our souls during the darkest times, and funerals are definitely those times. Uh, but, but it's not just then that God shepherds us. 
God shepherds us both in the bad and the good. God shepherds us in the trials, but he also shepherds us in the triumphs. He is always our shepherd. He is the shepherd that we need, and he is the shepherd for all of our needs. Now, David, he experienced that. So he's writing this from experience because he's had a lot of troubles in his life. He did a whole lot of running. You know, if you ever read David's story, he had a whole lot of running. He was running away from a lot of people. He was running away from Saul. He had to run away from Absalom. He had enemies in the Philistines. And over here and over there, he had enemies all over the place. And yet, David never lost faith because he knew he had a shepherd who was going to take care of him. And I want us to leave here today with a greater knowledge of the shepherd, the good shepherd, and our relationship with him and what it is that he provides for us. I want him to shepherd our souls. And so I want to read the entire psalm, if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read these six verses of Psalm 23. So it's labeled the Psalm of David, and he writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, speak to us about how you are a shepherd, how you sent Jesus, the good shepherd, what you do for us. And Lord, may it just encourage us, may it give us peace, May it cause us to rely upon you more and more. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So there are several different aspects of God's relationship with us that I want to touch upon, his relationship with us as a shepherd. And so first today, I want you to consider the shepherd's personal possession. The shepherd's personal possession. The psalm begins by telling us that the Lord, that Yahweh, is our shepherd. And ultimately we know that specifically Jesus is our shepherd. Jesus used this picture for himself in John chapter 10. Listen to three verses from John chapter 10. That kind of fills us, you know, fills that, that specific idea. For example, in John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, and that's exactly what he did. He laid down his life for his people. Verse 14 of John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. And then later on in John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And so I want you to notice something, reading the reading of Psalm 23 and the readings that I just had from the Gospel of John, because it has to do with me and my. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus referred to people as my sheep. 
These are words talking about a personal relationship. There is a personal relationship between sheep and shepherd. And in order to have that personal relationship, you need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for you, that he rose again to save you from your sins, and you have relationship with him. And when you do, you personally belong to him. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that you have been bought with a price. You now belong to him. You are his sheep. You are his personal possession. The shepherd, John tells us, well, Jesus tells us through John, the shepherd laid down his life for the sheep, and he personally knows them. You know, it's interesting. Shepherds in Jesus' day intimately knew their sheep. They knew which ones were his. They had names for them. They knew him, and, they, and the sheep knew their shepherd. And they recognized his voice, and they would be able to follow him. What would sometimes happen in Jesus' day is that several shepherds would bring their flocks together to a certain feeding area, because, you know, it's, it's Israel, and, and uh, there, there's not a whole lot of feeding areas, so if there's one, all the shepherds bring their sheep. And, you know, as the shepherds kind of socialized, well, the flocks would begin to kind of intermingle. So all the sheep kind of mixed up with one another. Now, I don't know about you, but I couldn't tell one sheep from another. How in the world would they be able to tell the difference between theirs and somebody else's sheep? I mean, all sheep look alike. They're just these big, fluffy, white things. How, do you, how in the world do you know one sheep from the other? And yet, they knew. The shepherd knew whose was theirs. And the sheep knew the shepherd and would recognize their voice. So when a shepherd decided, hey, it's time to move on, that shepherd had a particular call and, you know, his voice, the sheep would hear the call, the sheep would recognize the voice of the shepherd, their shepherd, and they would follow him. And so they would separate themselves from the rest of of the sheep. The shepherd knew the sheep, and the sheep knew the shepherd. And here is the point. Our shepherd, our great shepherd, our good shepherd, he knows each of us on a personal level. We are not just another face in the crowd. We are not a sheep that looks like every other sheep. Can't tell them apart. We are not another cog in the machine. Our shepherd knows us personally and knows us personally by name. And that's the way that he relates to us. He relates to us on a personal level if we're his sheep by grace through faith. And so don't ever think that somehow God has lost you in the hustle and bustle of the universe. You know, don't ever think that, well, you know, God is just so busy running this entire universe. He, he doesn't have time for me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't see me. He most certainly does. And if you know him, you will hear 
his voice. And so we're his personal possession. The second aspect that I want to look at today is that the sh- I want to look at the shepherd's perfect provision. The shepherd's perfect provision. In verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or maybe a better translation would be, I shall not be in want. When the Lord is your shepherd, you're not going to lack for what you need. Now, I know that the English translation says, you know, I shall not want, and, and boy, we cling on to that word want. Ooh, that means God gives me everything I want. No, it's you will not be in want. He supplies what you need, not every single desire that's in your heart. God's sheep will not be in lack for anything that is necessary when they lean upon and trust on the shepherd. Now hear me, it does not say that the sheep won't have times of trials. It does not say that the sheep will not fall on lean times sometimes. David is saying that no matter the circumstance that we find ourselves in, we're going to find our sufficiency and our satisfaction in the shepherd and in him alone. You know, when Jesus was being harassed by the devil, tempted by the devil, you know, he quoted Deuteronomy, man does not live by bread alone. Man is more than just his or her physical desires and attractions and, and, and cravings. I mean, God will supply our need there. But even more importantly, there's the whole spiritual aspect. God has given us supply and satisfaction there as well. And that's important because you might get your whole full of physical whatever, and yet you have no satisfaction of soul. Because you are not relating with the shepherd. God will take care of us physically for our needs. But even more important than that, God takes care of us spiritually. And he does that by giving us himself. He offers himself. And so the psalmist tells us in Psalm 37, 4, when you delight yourself in the Lord... He will give you the desires of your heart. But only when you delight yourself in the Lord. When you know and you are personally personally intimate with God. When you find your delight in Him. Then you get your satisfaction. Then you get your filling. Because God has provided Himself. He is our satisfaction. And so ultimately, whatever it is you think you need whatever it is you think you're craving for whatever it is you think you're longing for ultimately it's fulfilled by god through faith in jesus christ you need hope you find it by faith in jesus christ you need peace you find it in jesus christ you find it in the shepherd yes there's physical aspects of things and god is more than capable of taking care of that, but ultimately, our satisfaction 
is when God provides himself. And when you seek your satisfaction in him and him alone, everything else is going to kind of fall in place. Jesus had something to say about that on the Sermon on the Mount, didn't he? Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Don't be anxious about these things. God knows what you want. God knows your needs. God knows your hungers. God knows your thirsts. And what does he say there at the end? Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 and 34. But you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, when, when you seek out God for everything, when he is the center, when his priorities are your priorities, when his will is more important than your will, when his plan is more important than your plan, then you find out that, well, actually, he is all that you need. And you can trust him to provide for everything. Now, this is not some sort of come to Jesus and you're, you're never going to fall on hard times kind of teaching. So don't, don't misread me there. But when God is your all in all, everything is put in its proper perspective and you can rest knowing that he's going to take care of you. How often in Scripture did Jesus use the picture of a shepherd taking care of sheep? He leaves the 99 to find the one. Will he not also provide for you? And he provides for you by providing himself. There's a story about a, a, a Sunday school teacher who taught kids. And, and she asked her class, how many of you can quote Psalm 23? And, and several of the children, you know, raised their hands. But uh, she was kind of surprised there was this four-year-old who, who, who raised her hand, this little, little girl. And, and, you know, she was kind of surprised. A four-year-old being able to quote all of Psalm 23? So she said, said to this four-year-old little girl, okay, why don't you go ahead and recite it for the class. And so the little girl stood up, all proud, and she said, the Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. You know what? She had the words mixed up, but she had the message right. That's it, that's all I want. And, and the psalm goes on to give this picture, this this picture of provision in verse 2. It says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. You know, if a sheep is hungry, they're not going to lie down. They're going to be roaming around all over the place looking for food. But when a sheep is satisfied, when a sheep has all it needs, it will lie down and rest. And so here's a picture of God, who is himself the provision, and he gives the provision, and the sheep is satisfied. And so they're able to lie down in green pastures and rest. If a sheep didn't have all it needed, it wouldn't lie down. But our good shepherd makes us to lie down in green pastures. And in verse 2, it says, He leads me beside still waters. He leads me beside still waters. You know, sheep are afraid of turbulent water, but sheep are also finicky. They don't like stagnant water. I mean, man, what a, what a picture of humanity being finicky. Well, I don't want turbulent water. I don't want this and I don't want that. 
what a shepherd would do would be to dig out a place near a stream where water would run in. It wouldn't be turbulent, but it also wouldn't be stagnant, and the sheep would be able to drink. What wonderful metaphors that show us how God provides for us and how we are able to find our satisfaction and our rest in Him. Are you anxious about something? Is, is there something that you are dissatisfied about? Then you aren't trusting in Him. Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. The question is, are you satisfied in God's provision? Let's face it, in our society, where everything that is going on tries to appeal to our dissatisfaction. I mean, that's what all commercials are practically about, right? All commercials want you to know you are not satisfied and you will not be satisfied until you buy their product. You will not be satisfied until you buy a Mercedes-Benz. Well, I guess I'm never going to be satisfied then because I sure can't. That's the whole concept. But you know what? If that's... If we're just continuously striving, I'm not satisfied for this, I want to move on to the next thing. I'm not satisfied with this, I want to move on to the next thing, then we are missing the point. He is the provision. He is the satisfaction. He gives us what we need. And if our souls are restless and we're just, they're wearied from searching and searching for something, then we have not found our peace in the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd provides us with everything that we need. But the psalm continues to describe other things that he has done for us. So third today, I want you to see the Shepherd's refreshing revival. The Shepherd's refreshing revival. The first part of verse 3 tells us, He restores my soul. And and that word restores there, it, it, it means that God does something to repair to remodel, to revive us. God takes the turmoil and whatever in the world is just not right within us and he puts it back the way that it should be. He he can take a broken soul, a broken soul who's who's wearied from spiritual warfare, who's wearied from from worldly temptations all around, who's who's wearied from, from all these persecutions from the world, who's weary of being in this sin-filled body, in this sin-filled world. And he can refresh and restore and revive and repair that soul. God is the eternal handyman. He's able to patch us up. When our souls seem so broken, and we feel that they're just ready for the trash heap. He restores our soul. He repairs us. He revives us. 
You know, when, when we were first married, it was the joke around the house that I wasn't the handiest man in the world. I've learned a little bit more. I can fix some stuff. But, but let's face it, uh, on the norm, if there's a project or there's something major that needs to be fixed, we, we turn to my father-in-law. Here, Richard, you, you fix it. You, you do it. And then I'm just kind of the journeyman. You know, I'm just kind of the man that helps. Hands on the tool. Here's your tool. Now, if there's something going on at the house that even he can't fix, well, you better forget about it. I sure can't fix it, so we got to go to the pros for, for that. We got to find the one something's broken. We got to go to the one who can fix it. Well, where do we go when our souls are out of whack? Where do we go when there's just something spiritually awry within us? Where do we go when something's going on that's way beyond anything that our own small human capabilities are able to deal with? We go to the good shepherd. He patches us up. He fixes us. He restores us. And he did it by providing his son, the good shepherd. You know, it's interesting. And it's not by mistake either. When you see Psalm 22 next to Psalm 23, I mean, obviously, 23 follows 22 in numbers. What I'm talking about is the actual Psalms. The content of 22 and the content of 23 and really the content of 24, it's a progression. In Psalm 22, you have the cry of someone who feels forsaken by God. Now, David wrote that psalm, and in a sense, you know, he, he, he's talking about the soul that needs fixing. Something's wrong. Something's awry. And at the same time, it's prophetic. Because it is the cry of the one who gave of himself, who allowed himself to become sin, who allowed himself to be kind of cast aside so that we could have wholeness and restoration with God. Jesus uses this psalm to describe his travail on the cross, right? I mean, just consider Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, and I find no rest. It's the cry of David's heart. It's the cry of Christ. But it is exactly because Jesus went through that forsakenness on the cross that then we're able to cling onto the promises of Psalm 23 that he's able to restore our souls. It's because Christ was forsaken that we are restored. I want to read a portion of an article by John Piper that I think really brings into perspective for us what this is all about. John Piper writes, you know what, there was a moment at the crux of history when God was God forsaken. To we who are not God and who are only able to experience a, a few dimensions of reality, this is mysterious. But it was not a mystery, it was, a horrifyingly, it was horrifyingly real. 
God the Son, the eternal delight of the Father, the radiance of the, God, of the Father's glory, the exact imprint of the Father's nature and the Father's earthly visible image became in that incomprehensibly dark moment unholy sin, our unholy sin. And while that moment lasted, the Holy Father and the Holy Spirit could not abide the Holy Son who was made unholy. God became the object of God's wrath. A terrible once-for-all-time fissure rent open between Father and Son. For Jesus, it was a truly hellish moment, which is why in the words of R.C. Sproul, Jesus' scream in Psalm 22.1 was the scream of the damned. But for us, out of a love for us, we have hardly begun to fathom he took upon himself our damnable curse, becoming the propitiation for our sins. And he did it for us so that our curse would be eternally removed and we might become the object of God's eternal mercy, clothed forever with holiness and the righteousness of God. Psalm 22 does far more than give us words to pray during our seasons of spiritual desolation. It gives us words to grasp the desolation God the Son experienced to purchase our peace and our restoration. This restoration, the great messianic restoration, is what made David sing for joy in Psalm 23. The good shepherd, having laid his life down for the sheep, gives his sheep eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will be able to snatch them out of his hands. No one. Not death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the great shepherd of the sheep. Even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what an amazing thought. Jesus Christ was wrecked so we could be restored. He was wrecked so we could be revived. And so if you think that, maybe you think your life is just shattered to pieces. You kind of feel like a, a Humpty Dumpty. You, you, you've taken a great fall, pieces all over the place, and all the king's horses and all the king's men are not able to put you back together again. They might not be able to but the good shepherd can. And so don't walk to him. Don't take a leisurely stroll toward him. Run to him, and your soul can be restored. He will patch you up. The fourth aspect I want to talk about today is the shepherd's righteous road. The shepherd's righteous road. At the end of verse 3, David writes, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, what would happen in ancient days, I'm not a shepherd, so you know, I've got to study these things and figure these things out. But in Jesus' day, when, when shepherds found pasture land that made good foods for the flock, you know, eventually other shepherds would hear about it and, and they'd take their flocks there. And eventually there was a path worn out in the ground through the brush and over the grass that would lead to this very plush land. And the shepherds would learn which paths lead to the plush land and which paths did not. And then this knowledge would be handed down the generations. 
well, you know what? There's a whole lot of paths that we could take in life. The world, the flesh, and the devil, they, they give a whole lot of different paths, millions of paths that we could follow. It could be the path of materialism. It could be the path of immorality. It could be the path of greed. It could be the path of selfishness. It could be a whole bunch of other things that all lead to death. But there's only one path that leads to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. We need to avoid all the wrong paths and get on that one path at all costs. The path of righteousness will always lead to Jesus Christ. This is true for salvation of our souls, and it's also true for believers who have a tendency to wander off of the path. But he always calls us back. But we, there's, there's only one path, though. That's the thing. The world has its million paths. All of them lead to death. God has the one. That's why Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, 14, For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Very few find the right path. The path, uh, the path of righteousness is exclusive. And the majority of the world is going down the wrong path. And you know what? If I, honestly, if I was left to my own devices, I'd pick the wrong path too. Sheep like to wander. Sheep just kind of like to go and do their own thing. That's why it's so important that it says, He leads me. It doesn't say that the sheep eventually find the path. It says, he leads me. Because left to my own devices, I'm just going to go do my own thing. But praise the Lord, the good shepherd doesn't just let people wander around. He leads us in the right way. He leads us by his word. He leads us by his spirit. He leads us by godly counsel. He leads us by our circumstances through the opening and closing of doors as he sees fit. But the question is, are you leadable? Are you leadable? Are you open to the leadership of the shepherd? Have you positioned yourself to be in a place where you will be led in the paths of righteousness? Or are you still stubborn and hard-headed like a sheep and you're just going to do your own thing? Yeah, you know what? God has this path for me, but I don't, want, I don't like that path. I'm going to do my own path. You, trust me, you don't want to go down that path. There's only one path, and it's wherever leads to Christ. Maybe you know you're going down the wrong path. Isaiah in Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Call out to Jesus. Lead me on the right path. Lead me to you. Because I know you alone are the satisfaction of my soul. I, I know that you died to make me your possession. I know that you are the only one who can provide for what I really truly need. You know, I, 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 I know that you alone can restore this broken soul within me. And I know that only your path is the right path. And so come to him. Yeah, there's a whole lot more Psalms there to go, and we'll, we'll pick that up next week. But I want, you to, I want to leave us there and hope that you leave encouraged today, knowing that the Good Shepherd knows you personally, knows you by name, 
that he has provided for you, that he can restore your soul, that he will lead you in the right ways. The question is, do you know him? Do you know the shepherd? If you don't know him, then today is the day you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. There will not, you will not be restored any other way. But Christian, maybe you, you just need some tending to by the good shepherd. The, just the, the, the things of life have kind of beaten you down and left you weary and, and, and you know, you're, you're injured in some way, shape, or form. Come to the altar in prayer and let him pastor you. Let him shepherd you through whatever it is you're going through. Because the Lord is your shepherd. And through him you shall not want. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.